0: back how are we i thought i wasn't sure if you were gonna do it you sound time. like
1: like a flight elevator attendant. music oh maybe we should change our intro well maybe
0: flight attendants no we shouldn't
1: elevator music <laughs> <laughs> hello everyone how are we hopefully
0: we are all well yes doing we well
1: almost at christmas
0: yeah How was christmas next week don't know don't no, ask it's me it's not next week christmas is literally next saturday pull up a calendar
1: Is it really?
0: Christmas is literally next Saturday. Pause, you guys. I have to let Jessica know that Christmas is next Saturday.
1: That's disgusting. That's
0: this week. Christmas is next Saturday.
1: I could puke. Oh, my God. Okay. I need to go Sorry if there's a lot of
0: movement. I had to pick my phone up to to let this girl know. Okay, well,
1: apparently we are approaching the holiday season. That's
0: terrifying. (laughs) We are also approaching a new year, which is also kind of terrifying. No, I love it. Do I have something on my face? no like right here it felt no. like there was like a hair or something on me no I'm just trying to get it you're off. you're being distracting anyway I'm so sorry <laughs> I
1: was anyway gonna panic. so with the new year um there we're I guess we're closing things off we started our podcast in October so we're not like it's hard to say like we've had a great year with our podcast we've had like two months we've had a great start with our podcast yeah, I will say start. that um, and we love it more than, I love it more than I thought I would. Yeah, me too. Um, so we thought that kind of like to close out our year, it would be cool to, for Lee and I to do an entire episode. I know we did this very early on. We did, Like it was
0: episode two and three.
1: Yeah. It was super, super early. We did stuff, but it was about like really one facet of our life and it was pretty short because we were still doing a little bit of like question based stuff like at yeah, the beginning. We so it was very We are like, still
0: trying to get into like was, the swing of things. Yeah.
1: It, it It was definitely more of a rushed kind of like. This what happen in my life. And then it was over. Yeah. And so we thought, you know, and we have some new friends with us now. Oh, yeah, we do. Welcome new friends. Yeah, hello, new friends. So we thought it would be good to kind of like do it again, but then do like an entire like like in episode. Like in-depth about. Retelling of our life.
0: Yeah, our life. Um, So. A condensed version, but not like, but that's it
1: yeah somewhere in the middle so you guys can know us better i think as people which is i think whenever i listen to podcasts like as much as i love like hearing new guests or whatever on it's always nice when you get to know the person that you're listening to every week yeah that's always at, on really like nice. a personal level because even I mean, if it's
0: like little spurts and i mean i feel like we put out little spurts of like who yeah. we are um, and some of our podcast episodes, at least every single one, I feel like a little bit of who we are and how we mm-hmm. got to where we are um, is spilled a little bit. But I feel like this will give you guys a better,
1: <clears throat> better picture,
0: a better insight on mm-hmm. how we are mm-hmm. and maybe why why we are, <laughs> why we are, and maybe like our reason, like our real reasoning, understanding, like yeah. why we started this podcast and why it was really important
1: yeah, for us to what start it this means podcast to each of us, for sure. Yeah, so, so we're gonna give that a roll. So I'm first. Um, yep, yeah, round of applause. I just did some some thinking. Okay, well, let me, oh, okay, let me backtrack. So when I knew I was doing this, we kind of went back and forth on who was gonna go first up until um, yesterday. No, it was Monday. It was Monday. Monday, And then we decided that I was going to go first. So I've kind mainly of been be, like...
0: Mainly because I have a lot of other stuff going on and yeah. I kind of want to put my focus on that.
1: Which is fair enough. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't really matter who goes first. It doesn't. But since we kind since of... Since
0: our just, episodes were like yeah. me first and then Jessica, whenever we first started it, I guess that's maybe yeah, the, what maybe. you were thinking. But
1: yeah. Jessie girl, will go first. I'm going to go first. I did not put a lot of thought into like exactly what I want to say because I don't... Unscripted. I don't want it to come across as like being scripted. Basically, I want to just talk pretty authentically about the 21 years that I've been on this earth. And, um, and so I did a poll on our Instagram about, um, like what specifically from my life is most like enticing or do people need kind of, or would like to have some more insight on, um, because I do think there are a lot of learning points in my life for others and for me I'm someone that lives very, like, open-armed to life. Like, I really embrace everything that life has to offer. Very true. And, you know, a lot of times that left me being really hurt in the end because I'm just so open. But I feel like if I hadn't had that experience or if I hadn't opened myself up in that way, I wouldn't be the strong woman that I am. So I think that's probably, like, the first thing I want to say is, like, I live my life very fearlessly. Mm -hmm. Um, Which is, again, like, it can be good and bad. And that's definitely going to show through, you know, what I'm talking about today. And so I think the biggest thing I realized from doing that poll was that people kind of... It was a mixed bag, again. Like, my long-distance relationship, people had, like, wanted to know about that. Um, kind of, like, how I cured my mental illness. I don't really... I have really tough time saying that because I don't want it to come across as, like...
0: It's fixable.
1: Yeah. But or like, that you
0: have to be fixed. Or
1: I don't even like the word mental illness. Like, I had... Um, depression and generalized anxiety disorder for a time but i feel like i've gotten over it and i kind of want to talk about how you how i did it. that um because I, I don't want anyone to think that this is something you have to live with forever um if you're going through it right now and obviously there are things that are going to stay with you forever but it's not something that has to define you um so i think people wanted to know about that um my kind of life's biggest events, people wanted to know about that as well, and I think that also comes from the first episode that we did, because I dropped a couple bombs, and then didn't really go into a lot of, like, detail, <laughs> so I feel like that was something people wanted to know about. Drops mic. Yeah, it, it was a little bit of a mic drop, Um, and then I think the fourth one, oh gosh, it's... Oh, my counseling journey and my education in counseling. <laughs> literally like, yes, the biggest part of my literally life. literally
0: what you're doing right now?
1: Yeah, so both my time in counseling and then, like, also what I learn in my counseling classes and things of that nature. So I thought today the best way to kind of, like, touch all those bases is to tell my life's story and life's events through my counseling journey. Sounds um, interesting. Yes. <laughs> Like you don't sense. already. Well, I guess you actually well, no. maybe this is interesting, Ali, you don't know the full story. Like or no. you don't know everything. No. Um obviously and I feel like I whenever I tell get mine get
0: it'll, them, it'll, them. it'll be the exact same thing. Yeah, which
1: is cool. That mm-hmm. you're kind of hearing it for the first time with them.
0: Mhm. Now like some that. stuff obviously some stuff I do know just because Jessica and I have had conversations about life, but obviously not like Super, your yeah. like therapy counseling journey. Mm-hmm.
1: So, and then I can end with a little snippet about long distance because that's really like when my relationship started was really where a new chapter of my life began. Um, so I can go into that a little bit cause I've been doing long distance for two and a half years. Um, that's crazy to think about actually now that I say that out loud and yeah, so I think, um, we'll just start there, but let us know if you like this format of the experience episode, um, so that maybe we could adjust for yours if need be, mm-hmm. um, just, we'll just see how it goes. So I definitely want to say before I start with anything, the same thing I said in the initial episode that I'm going to put out a little trigger warning, um, because there are topics that I feel could be like cause some distress to some people or make them uncomfortable, which is the last thing we would ever want. So if, um, things about kind of depression, anxiety, things that kind of go into those realms, if that makes you very uncomfortable or is triggering for you, um, sexual abuse, domestic violence—all those things—I would probably say this might not be your episode, um, and that's okay. I that's respect fine. that. Right. I just—I just, I just want to say that before I go into anything. Um, so on a Thursday at roughly four a.m., I was born. <laughs> on day two, I learned my first word, which was biochemistry. Help. <laughs> No, I'm kidding. So um, I started counseling when I was 12. So my mom put me in counseling when I was 12 because um, my biological father was really bad, basically. And I don't, not to say that lightly, but I just don't have a word for him. Like he was clinically, something was clinically wrong and he never went and got help for that. Like he never saw a counselor. He never was on meds. Like there was just something very wrong with who he was. Um, Like he would rob people out of thousands of dollars and he was inappropriate with women at times. He had many, many wives. He was just very toxic. And I hate that word, but that's really just the best way I can use to describe it. So when I was kind of growing up, my life started very early because these things were brought into my life at such a young age that I was kind of forced to adapt and understand what these bigger concepts in life were before most people. So I think that kind of also contributes to why I am the way that I am. But my mom was really, my mom was a superhero. Like that woman means the absolute world to me. And she really tried to shelter me from as much as she could, because my dad was one of those people that could put on this face and like be whoever you wanted him to be. Charming. Yeah, he w- he was so charming. And that's such a quality of people who can also be very disconnected from other people's emotions and I don't want to use the word sociopath or a psychopath um, too lightly but if I knowing what I know now if I had to put something like it put him in one of those boxes that's that's where I would put him Um, he had a very big thing about control and he wanted me to hate my mom and so he would spin all the lies about how terrible my mother was and things of that nature growing up and my mom never said a bad word about him Um, because I was my dad and it wasn't right in her mind wasn't right to paint a picture of him when he was still my father so things started to get really bad when I was around eight or nine and he was cheating on his wife at the time and so she left him and then he tried to kill himself for the first time and when that happened my mom knew there was obviously a very big issue and I remember there was a time where like I couldn't really see him but I didn't know why I think she told me that he was in the hospital because he hurt his back Um, And as things kind of progressed, he moved in with his mom who came and lived with us in South Carolina. And it all got very muddy. And then there was the um, allegations that he molested his niece, my cousin. And at that point, I think my mom, obviously, as a parent, yanked me out of the house. And that's when I started counseling because clearly there was a lot going on. And I wish I could sit here and... And explain the story in a, in a series of events that are chronologically correct. But honestly, like when you go through things that are so traumatic and so... Um, life-changing. Life-changing and... Events and times. Yes, tons. when you go through those massive points in your life, your brain doesn't want you to remember them. Because... It all becomes like, like it, not mush, it, no, but it like does. static. It does. It does become mush. It becomes kind of when you're looking back and you remember <laughs> these like... Glimpses of moments or like a movie trailer almost like you can see pictures, but you can't you don't get the full story And so that's really when I look back at my childhood. That's a lot of what it is. I see moments and I see screaming and like a lot of alcohol and like, you know Inappropriate things that would happen and I don't I don't want to like take that lightly either I mean there were definitely things that a dad shouldn't do with his daughter, but I never want to say like I was sexually abused because I wasn't, or at least I can't remember being sexually abused, but there was just little moments that felt wrong as I got older. And so when I started counseling there, when you were in counseling like school and you're kind of like learning how to become a, a counselor for any person, they talk a lot about what's developmentally appropriate. So, whether you're a school counselor, clinical mental health, whatever that you do that you might be dealing with young kids, all the way through senior citizens or whatever, like they talk a lot the about geriatrics. Right. They talk a lot about how to be developmentally appropriate. So, when I'm 12, there wasn't a lot of deep work. It was more so about me getting through this time in my life um, because he was still around and there was a lot of custody battles between him and my mom because they got divorced when I was very, very young. And my mom remarried to the man that is now my adopted father. He adopted me when I was 14, but at the time he was still my stepdad. So there was a lot of custody things going on. But when the allegations that he molested his niece came out, obviously a a lot of like legal things went on with that because my mom was like, and we're done. Plucked me out of the house, basically. (laughs)
0: Year done. Year done, done
1: basically. (laughs) And there was a lot of like supervised dinners and like ice cream. And my mom would have to sit in this place and watch me have – an hour long conversation with my dad and he would try everything he could to like turn the tables on me or like get me to tell a judge why my mom was the bad parent. Um and he would like I still have the Facebook messages where he would just like berate me for picking like soccer over him or whatever it was. And I was put in this position as a child where it was like my dad did such awful things but I was so manipulated into thinking that he was still the good parent over because my mom because he was still there because he was still there and because he knew how to twist things in a way that made him look better. And he knew how to say the right things. And to me as a child, like you think your dad is a superhero. Like you think your dad is supposed to take all the bad things away for the rest of your life. And when your dad is causing them, as a kid, you can't rationalize why that would be. So Mm -hmm. it must not be true. And I think I lived in that bubble for a while. Um, And then it got to a point where... I said to my mom one day, I think I was about, I was I was like just turned 13 and I had said to my mom, I was like, I'm done. Like, I don't wanna see him anymore. I don't wanna talk to him anymore. Because you do start to get to an, an age where you hormonally and mentally and cognitively can process that what's happening is not okay. Um, and like court stuff had been with him and my niece had been going on and he was found not guilty because a lot of times the legal system, if it is such a big, he said, she said situation, There's no clarity. It's hard for, I think, a a judge and a a jury to ruin basically ruin a man's life over something that has no feasible evidence, Um, which, (laughs) you know. Anyway, (laughs) that's the whole – I'm not in law school. We're not going to do this today. Mm -hmm. But there's a lot of issues with that, clearly. Yep, plenty. And I I was so scared of him coming and taking me in the middle of the night. And my family went to hiding for, like, three weeks right before the trial because – We were terrified that he just was going to come and snatch me and take me and never come back. And we went, like, for a week all through, like, South Carolina, Georgia, staying in, like, these little hotels. And then we went on a cruise over Thanksgiving. And then afterwards, we spent another week, like, in hotels, like, hiding from him. And I think that was the point where a lot of things clipped for me, that I didn't want to be anywhere near him. I didn't want to be around him. I didn't want any part of it. And it was such a blurry moment for me that shaped everything about who i am and so when my mom agreed that because i mean obviously that's what she wanted me to say that i wasn't (laughs) didn't want to be around him anymore and she obviously was keeping me from his house like i couldn't go over there i wasn't allowed in his house and at this point he was married again so my counselor had to speak or like testify based on what i had told her about how scared i was of him and how he made me feel. And she had to go to court and explain why she thinks that his parental right should be terminated. Which basically, if you didn't listen to the first episode, would mean that he no longer has any right to speak to me for the rest of his life.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Which is a very, it's a very permanent thing. It's not something oh, to be yeah. taken lightly. Um, it's, it's intense. But to... that kind of
0: permanency is necessary oh, in some yeah. cases. In my
1: situation, it absolutely was. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, and before that could happen, he killed himself. And I think that started a lot for me. And I think this is kind of where we left off in the first episode because the thing is like, I, and like I said before, like I want to be able to sit here and tell the story as if it was like, and then this day happened and then the next day, this is what happened. But really it is so muddy. And I'm trying to do it as respectfully as possible to all the situations involved. And if you have listened to the other episode, I apologize. You have to hear the story again, but it does, it is necessary for me to explain it in the sense that like the person I am today needed I needed that like mm-hmm. I needed that those for first 13 years of my life because it wouldn't have been like I wouldn't be the mature woman that I am today I wouldn't have the passions that I do today but I think a lot of people assume that when you go through these really terrible life experiences that that has to stay with you and it doesn't I took my lessons and well, and I don't even want to say this. Like it took me a very long time. And my mom used to tell me all the time. She's like, you don't have to carry this. Why are you carrying this? Cause it almost felt like when you meet someone new and you like get to that point where you're like, I wonder when I'm going to tell them like where I'm from or like what my favorite color is. Mm-hmm. Like for me, like this story was something that I felt like people needed to know about me because it was like, to me, it's huge excused, part of who you are. Yeah. It, it felt like it was part, it felt like it was an explanation as to why I'm emotional as to why I crave validation, as to why I have a hard time with like, at the time, building relationships with men. Like I had a very difficult time. Like I felt so, it felt so necessary for me to be validated by men for a really, really long time. Um, Whether that was friendships or romantically, like I always took the opinion of men a lot more heavily than I did with women and obviously looking back I can see it's very it's clear as day as to why that is like that's not something crazy like it's
0: not a mystery now that you're older and you're able to look back and reflect
1: right so the counseling journey after he passed away was really about coping and how to deal with all the emotions that I had but also again like I was so young so like there wasn't a lot of really deep cognitive work that could be done because as a child you aren't able to rationalize those thoughts as much you can't figure out your triggers and your what like your innermost dialogue is because you're just like you're 13 like you know you're worried about ugly naked palates you know what i mean like you're not like that was me like i was just trying to figure out what my life looked like now and how i would go to school and i'm like why none of these kids have lived a life like i've lived you know and they look at me like like people did not like me for a lot of like my childhood and like I would really call it adolescence I was not I was not a fan favorite because I was like obnoxious and loud and weird and clingy but really I just wanted to be loved and I know that sounds so sad but like it's true like I just wanted people to like me and to love me for who I was but it wasn't but I wasn't happy with who I was so it's very hard and we touched on this before like it's Mm -hmm. very hard to ask people to love you For something that you don't already like. So there is a lot of things that happen in counseling for grief that I was going through, such as there's something called the empty chair. And that happens a lot with people who need closure, whether that is like a divorce, maybe or um, death, you basically talk to an empty chair. As if it was the person that was sitting in front of you. Yep. And there's a lot of prep work that gets done before that. You know, you kind of like put yourself in the right frame of mind. You envision them as clearly as possible so that it feels authentic. And it feels like it comes Real. from a... Re- right. It feels like they really are sitting right there in front of you. Mm-hmm. So that was the most liberating thing is for me as far as closure. Because it was like this moment where I really did say everything. Because I never got to say bye to my dad. Like, he... And I carried a lot of blame for his death because I felt like if I had never asked to terminate his parental rights, he never would have done that. So a 13-year-old feeling like she's the cause for her dad's death is heavy, heavy, heavy stuff. And I I think I'll always feel a little bit of blame, but I think I've processed it enough now where it doesn't affect me. And my mom always said, like, it. I mean, she knew it wasn't my fault. I just think that's how you have to rationalize it sometimes when it doesn't, when something feels so senseless. Mm Mm-hmm. That's how you have to rationalize it. And I think I'll always have complicated feelings about him as well, just because there is a biology sense of it, right? Like, Mm -hmm. and I have these good memories of the person he wanted me to be, but the love that a parent should have for their child wasn't there. He loved, my mom always says, like, if he loved anything, it was you, but he still didn't love you the way parents should love a child. And that sucks. Um, I wish it wasn't like that for so many people because... You know, you deserve to have parents who love you more than anything in this whole world and and cherish you sticks with you, too Oh, yeah, it's hard to get over and it took a lot of time Like I have had the same counselor the entire time Like I didn't ever change counselors as I got older because there's something about having someone know things about you that you don't have to Re-explain that was incredibly validating for me
0: Oh starting over with counselors
1: or even with friends like when you and I became friends that was something that definitely played on my mind was like how do I eventually have this conversation with you and Mm -hmm. and get into this because it's such a complicated story as I as we are noticing right now and it's not (laughs) it's not cohesive it's not chronological it's just like a big bunch of memories and it's like this is why I care about the things I care about this is why I do the things that I do and it's difficult to do that and I always stayed with the same counselor so that i she would validate the fact that she knew who I was. Like, she had met my dad. Like, there are certain things that you can't change um, about your past, so it's always nice to have people around that understand that. Um, so, really, I, I didn't start... I don't really have clear memories until about junior year of high school, which is so sad because... It, I don't remember
0: most of my childhood. Yeah. It's, for many reasons. It's
1: very sad to, like, look back and realize that because even when, like... My eighth grade year, like, I don't remember anything because I was so depressed, like, so depressed. Because I blamed my dad for everything he had done to me. I blamed myself for everything that I did to him. And in the meantime, I was like, so then what value am I to the world, right? Like, if my own dad didn't love me, who else ever will? That was the cognition that played with me until I was 19. And I think that's why I acted in all the ways that I acted. Because I wanted someone to, like, love me But I didn't like me. I wanted someone to love me into loving myself, Mm -hmm. which I think is very common. And I don't think you have to have some big traumatic childhood to want to be loved so that you can love yourself. But unfortunately, it doesn't work like that. Mm -hmm. Um, And it took me a really long time to realize that. And I spent a lot of my early high school doing the same thing, like just wanting someone to validate the way I felt. I was in and out of counseling like the entire time. It really just depends on the situation and like where I was at emotionally and what my family thought was best. Um, but I think when I became a little bit more aware of what happened to me was when I got in my first relationship, I looking back, I can see that I used that as like a sponge and I wanted to put all of the shit that I'd never dealt with into this sponge and have him like soak it up for me because he was giving me the constant validation. He was giving me the constant love and he was a really great first boyfriend in that way. Like he gave me a lot of things that I never had. But it, I was terrible to him. And I didn't realize it in, n- until now. Like, I, I could be so nasty and so mean. And I realized it's because I just had not even a wall up. It was just, like, I didn't like me. So it was hard for me to love other people as much. Um, and But he loved me so unconditionally at the time for 15-, 16-year-old kids. Like, as much as he could. <laughs> I was like, going to say for did. high schoolers. Yeah. For high schoolers, yeah. He loved me so unconditionally. But we weren't, I mean, again, you're so young. But, like, <laughs> And you think that you know things. And And at the time, that
0: was unconditional love for you. Yeah,
1: that's what, yeah, that's what, maybe I should clarify that. (laughs) He's very happy now, I think. I don't know. (laughs) But at the time, it felt like that. It felt like, you know, I had somebody finally who was going to, like, care for me. But then when he broke up with me, it was like the sponge just released all the water. It was like if you plugged a hole in, like, a giant tub of water, and and then you took the plug out, and it all just came rushing out. Because I was dealing with, first of all, first time breakups fucking suck. Those shits hurt so bad. The first one kills. And then I had all this other stuff that I'd never processed. And now I'm 17. So the stuff that I really hadn't processed since I was 13 when I was in counseling, just basically trying to get through the day. Yeah. Because that's how depressed I was as a fucking 13 year old. I was a walking zombie at the time. And then, you know, you get to a point where you're used to living like that. That's just how you live. And then you have moments of really positive energy and you have these moments of actual happiness, but then it just crashes. Every time something bad happened, I would just crash. And so I lived like that until my breakup. And now I'm 17. So four years go by where I'm either learning how to live with feeling like this. And then a year and a half where I was like happy with somebody. And then it all just came out. And that was the hardest year of my life. A hundred percent. My senior year of high school is probably one of the most painful years ever to look back on. Like horrifying for me because it if it wasn't like I was looking for anything to fix me because I felt like I needed to be fixed. And that is such a horrible feeling. Like I can't even explain the way that I felt about myself. And it wasn't a hatred. It was like a nothingness. It was like I just was like there was no meaning to me. There was no you're value just I was just there like I but nobody would have known because I just had this face on where I was the loud obnoxious clingy and do you
0: think that's why you were so loud all the time oh yeah definitely because you felt
1: so empty yeah it was a face that I put on to be somebody else even just for, for a, a moment a nine to three school day right and then I could come home and it was Fall like apart. nothing like senior year was the worst. After I got back to school, that was probably that was the first time I ever really experienced self-harm. Um when I was 13 after right after my dad died, I remember I did it one time with my leg and I was like, you're 13, so at the time I was like mm, mm. like it just wasn't some like you know, I don't know, it didn't stick at the time, like which is obviously a good thing. Right. But I think at 13 I couldn't rationalize it, but since self-harm had been brought into my life by my dad, I was I think I was curious about what is it about this that people are appeal to or is this what sad people do I think is probably what what I was thinking at the time um but when I was 17 I started actually self-harm and I I think the misconception about self-harm is that a lot of people will say that it's a cry for help and I think that's true but I think it's more about Asking for your own help than it is about asking for another person's help. I think when you're hurting yourself, you're really, what you're doing is saying to your body, what's wrong? You're trying to,
0: you're trying to wake yourself up. Dealing with self-harm in high school, like my friends, myself, whatever the case was that was exactly what it was Mm -hmm. it was you trying to be like hello
1: yeah like help me like it's like you talking to yourself in a way like can you feel that like I'm hurting why aren't you helping me and
0: it's almost like you're in like a room and everything is like echoing I don't know it's like a very weird
1: it's it's very it's very much a very weird
0: space to be in
1: I always describe depression as feeling like you're in a glass room in a glass box and people are moving around and everything's normal And you can see them, and they can see you, but you're screaming, and you're banging, and you're trying to get somebody to pay attention, and no one is. That's always how it it felt to me. It was like I was just screaming for someone to notice the fact that I was literally, at the time, like I was dying. Like my soul was like dying, as heavy as that is, but that's how I felt. Like I felt like a shell of a person. And it was, I think, clear as day to like a few people in my life, but I was really good at pretending I was fine. Like I was really good at it. Until I wasn't. Mm -hmm. and then I was turning to boys that was my Mm -hmm. next thing like when I stopped self-harming it was all about the boys this one this day this one that day and none of them wanted to stick around because it was very clear that I needed the validation more than I I didn't like these boys I wanted what they could do for me Mm -hmm. I wanted to crave the feeling of being in that first relationship again where I felt okay for the first time I wanted that again and I just turned to anybody I could find to try and fix that for me I didn't even know these boys' last name, and I was like, "We are meant to be. We're meant to be. We're supposed to be." We get little
0: Jessica. Yeah,
1: I was. I was queen of what are we? You know. Yeah, it was bad. It was really bad. If and my was friends, your friend, I would have
0: literally been like, "Jessica, you have to stop doing I was literally about to say that. that. My
1: friends were pissed at me, like this. <laughs> but they, I don't think they knew. Like I didn't talk about this. Like I didn't explain to them where I was at. Like I was chugging Nyquil at night, like just bottle mouth because I just wanted to be asleep so I didn't have to be awake anymore it was devastating Nightwell. it'll it'll get you there I just it wasn't even and my mom I finally told my mom one day about that and she was like Jessica that's for like when you're sick I'm like I don't care like it was literally just the fact that I needed to not be awake it didn't matter what it was I would right. have done
0: anything Jessica said I need to be
1: asleep uh, yeah and it was that's so sad like and looking back now it like fucking kills me because I love my life now and naturally when I started hurting myself. My mom was like, and we're back in counseling. Let's go see Christina again. Um, you're done here. That was all, my mom was always wanted to be like, and we're going back. And I'm like, okay. And that one, this is the part of counseling that I think a lot of people want to know about is, you know, once you're there and you have like, you're old enough to be cognitive about what's happening and you can process your own emotions to the fullest extent. Um, now what? Because a lot of times people go in there because they have a pretty severe situation, which Preface that by saying, you do not have to have a severe situation to go to counseling. Yeah, no. You can go to counseling because you for have the one or two thing. things that you would like to work on. That's the only reason. You don't even need a reason. If you just want to go and talk to somebody, go talk. and talk to somebody. That's my side note for the day. That's my ad. <laughs> Sponsored by BetterHelp. Um, <laughs> boop. Sponsored <laughs> by therapy. Yeah. So when you go into counseling for severe situations, it really depends on your situation. I'll say that. But... I did a lot of trauma-focused therapy and a lot of um, cognitive behavioral therapy, mm-hmm. which is basically changing the way that you think so that your actions change as well. Yes. And I also did dialectical behavioral therapy, which is um, most commonly used for people with uh, self-harm issues, suicidal ideation, things of that nature. So I did a lot, and I've also done Reiki, which is like a natural energy healing. Um, that was a really cool experience. I mean, I, it's, not, it's not something that's supposed to like do the, the deep work, but it's really helpful for feeling cleansed afterwards and just feeling a little bit lighter. Um, because sadness and stuff like that can feel physically really, really heavy. And I know a lot of people can relate to that. Like it feels like you're carrying a weight, which you are. Yeah. I mean, inside your body, you were carrying a weight. Um, so I did a lot of trauma stuff, including EMDR, which that one is kick ass. I do not recommend doing something like that unless you have some deep shit going on. That's, um well, it's technically for your eyes. It's where you kind of dart your eyes back and forth while you're looking at um like a point that's moving and then you say your cognitions that you're feeling. So you have, so for me, I'll share mine. I had three that we worked on while I was in counseling my senior year. I felt that I was unlovable, that I wasn't worthy and that I was not able to be loved unconditionally. So I thought no one could love me, no one could love me unconditionally and I had no value basically. And so we sat there and I did it. I have a condition in my eye where I don't have peripheral vision, fun fact. So basically no peripheral vision. So we did it with um beeps in my ears. So like when you did the hearing test when you were like in elementary school, that's what it was like. Um so it would go back and forth and I would just say the cognition and then you just basically let your mind sprint around your head to all the little moments that make that led to you feeling like that. So it's like a flash of pictures of your memories of things that led you to believe that about yourself and then you just keep going and you work through it It takes it takes a long time i mean it depends on your situation took me a few months until you no longer believe that about yourself and then afterwards you'd be like how when you say i'm unlovable how true does that feel to you right now and then you just keep working until you're at zero and you go through each one that took a long time and that is also the most painful thing i've ever done in my life like i will be so honest about that therapy sometimes will get worse before it gets better you have to stick it out Well, you have to go, you do have to stick it out, 100%. And you have to go back to the bottom before you can come out of the top, right? Like, you can't expect to be the best version of yourself if you're still carrying things with you, right? Like, you need to go back to where it started and release that load a little bit at a time. And every time you go to release some of that load, you're going to have to relive it. Mm -hmm. And it's fucking painful. And I never want to give the impression that therapy, because this is such a common conception, that you go in and it's like fun and you, you lay on about a sofa fe- oh the, the, don't the get, fucking, the fucking sofa. sofa I mean there is a sofa there
0: is a sofa but, but you, you don't, don't lay you on don't it lay
1: on it you're just like unless you want to how are you feeling if somebody does that to me like sit your ass get, up get just leave yeah I mean there were times where I would come in there and I would cry for an hour you know it, therapy is so not linear like it's so not what people think that it is it's not fun it's not like you don't leave every session and feel better than when you went in there Fuck no! There were times I left that session. I was like, I hate this shit. I was better off before. I feel worse. Yes. Now. And I want. And I don't mean that to scare anyone. I just think it's so important that that's said because I lived 13 years of my life with a father who didn't really love me, ruined everyone's life that was around him in different ways, was an alcoholic, abuser, like verbally, emotionally, mentally. And then I went to counseling and I had to do it all over again Mm. because you can't like, and I need everyone to be clear on that because if I can leave you with something, I'm going to leave you with that. It's like, if you're going to go, be ready and
0: be honest. And
1: also, again, depends on your situation. Like if you're just going for like little things, obviously you're not going to do something like EMDR or if you're not, you know, having a really, if you're not struggling with self harm or suicidal ideation, you're not going to do dialectical behavioral therapy. Like it just depends on your situation. There are 500 theories in counseling. So when you're in school, you have to pick one, one or two, that you base all of your techniques, all your strategies, all of your work on. So for me, I'm probably going to go with um, cognitive behavioral therapy, which is probably one of the most popular ones. And then I want to do humanistic, which is a little bit more like internal work, kind of like that self-love, self-care kind of mentality of learning how to work within but like from a more emotional place. And it's about relationships more. It's about like what is already there, stuff that I really care about, but then I also have a huge interest in the cognition part of it, you know, reworking your thoughts. So yeah. it, you, you pick a few. Um, there's some that are just for solution-based therapy and you work towards goals. You know, it really just depends on, on you know, your counselor. So I would say if you're doing research, if you need to go see a counselor, I would say be very clear about what you want from the experience. And then you need to find not just the first counselor that you come across as, like, good reviews or whatever. Like, you need to look at their biography. You need to look at what they bring to the table, where they went to school. Their work. What, right, their work. Are they doing research? Are they in their licensure? So your licensure is the three years after you graduate from grad school where you have to be supervised counseling. Mm -hmm. So you are a counselor, but you're not licensed. So it was cool because when I started counseling, Christina, my counselor was being licensed. So she was fresh out of grad school and now she owns her own practice. So that just also shows you how long this has been. Like you have to be licensed for two years and now she owns her own practice. So it is a, it's a long process to be a counselor. I never want, anyone to think too that you literally go to grad school for two years and you pop out and you're ready to like save a life. You're not no. You have to go ever. through a lot to be There's a There's levels to this. There is a lot of levels and it cost a lot of fucking money. And grad school's intense. Like you have to do internships, practicums, like you take classes on multiculturalism, you take classes on human sexuality. Mm -hmm. Um, which is cool because I think that's really important. Like I never really thought about the fact that I'm going to have to deal with so many different types of people that it's important that I'm as aware as possible of how to deal with all those kinds of people. We talk a lot about ethics, um, in classes and how to best Um, approach a client, how long you can go after you're done seeing a client before you can date them, like, you know, just things that you wouldn't even think about that you're like, oh, yeah, sure. I guess I kind of need to know that. (laughs) So my senior year, I was doing a lot of that, like, really heavy work and trying to get out of that um, really dark place. And then I did something stupid and I got into another relationship, which I don't, that relationship was not a mistake. I never wanted to, like, come across like that, but it was the wrong time. It was the wrong time because I was coming out of a bad place like I was deaf I was on the I was on the climb Like I was doing better <laughs> we're in April now like this took a year of doing really heavy work really intense therapy um, I was drinking a lot more than I ever I mean, here's the thing. You can drink if you want. I, like, I, it's not me saying, I drank in high school. I was so sad. But, like, it was, <laughs> I went from, like, me and my friends having, like, a shot of my mom's fireball in the liquor cabinet whenever she wasn't home to, like, every weekend I was, like, drinking. For a 17-year-old, that meant, like, five beers before I was blacked out. But, like, I was drinking, you a know? what? Right. I, for a 17-year-old at the time, yeah. Like, I was not, it wasn't good. And I remember my best friend, <laughs> Hannah. Love Hannah to pieces. She was like, what is this? She finally was like, "What is just, going on?" I
0: literally just hear Hannah's
1: voice. No, but she's such a <laughs> Hannah to me, and I'll go on a little tangent about her real quick because I think having somebody in your life that has lived everything with you, it she for me was such an anchor, because it was like your mom. Where when she finally said to me, she was like, "What is going on?" I was like, "I don't want to disappoint her." Mm-hmm. Like it was, it was the weirdest experience, and that's kind of what snapped me out of it because it was. I was upsetting her and I was hurting her by the way I was acting. And I didn't want to do that anymore because Hannah and I have been friends since we were nine, like best friends, inseparable in soccer. They called us salt and pepper because we were just always together. Never left each other's side. We couldn't even play against each other, like in scrimmage and stuff because we just burst and Like we started laughing so hard So <laughs> to have somebody like that. Look at me and go pull it together. Basically was it. I needed that, you know, obviously another 17 year old who's not a licensed counselor is not going to know all the things to say to somebody who's hurting that bad but it was what I needed it was a kick up the ass to be like and I need to work harder
0: right because other people around me are also feeling are now
1: hurting because of my actions so as I was coming out of it I got into another relationship which you know it's fine like I did something stupid and I went into my freshman year of high school dating somebody who was still in high school I mean my freshman year of college dating someone still in high school do what you want. I don't personally recommend it. It, it kept me from a lot, I would say. Um, but, I mean, it, everything happens for a reason, and I think I needed that. Um, so, I'll <laughs> looking back at those my first two relationships, because they happened pretty close in the sense of, like, time. Like, I was in that first relationship for a year, had a year where I was miserable, and then got back into another year-long relationship. And looking back, I can see that my first relationship taught me how to love myself. Because after it was all said and done, that was the lesson I took away, was... Okay, because you didn't love me, I completely fell apart. And obviously there was other, like, the old childhood stuff I never dealt with. But that was essentially what happened. I lost someone's love and I fell apart. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: My second relationship taught me how to love somebody else. Because that's something, too, that not you're not built knowing how to do that. Like, it takes time to learn how to love somebody.
0: You also have to take the time.
1: And being with Cole in my current relationship has taught me more than anything Couple things because he's wonderful and he teaches me so much is that <laughs> a people need to be loved differently. Not everybody can be loved the same way that you are loved. And b I think he taught me that I really like who I am. It wasn't about accepting myself and loving myself. He taught me how to like myself and how to stand on my own two feet and be like fuck yeah I said what I said. I'm a strong woman and this I'm here. Like he was a massive part of <laughs> that and I love him to pieces and he because he's like that. So for me, it was like I learned from him, and I and I want to be very clear as well on the fact that go to counseling, if you need. If this is any sort of sign, go because I am a very strong woman now, and I am confident in saying that. Me two years ago would have been like even when I first started dating, club, I'd been like I'm like okay, you know I, I'm cool like I guess, and now I'm like no, I'm a strong woman. I'm a bad bitch. I'm gonna accomplish a lot in my life. I'm gonna be successful. I'm a good fucking person, and I wouldn't have had any of that without counseling because it teaches you how to rework the way that you think in order to be better like isn't that the goal like if isn't the goal to be better than you the person you were yesterday yep to never stop growing to never stop changing to never stop wanting more for yourself i
0: hope that's the goal for people and if it's not change your goals dude
1: change your goals because the only i had a reminder in my phone for over a year every night at 9 p.m were you better today than you were yesterday I made a million little changes to my life to get to where I am now, like little things like that. I had a quote as my wallpaper constantly because I needed sometimes that reminder, you know, because quotes really speak heavily to me. Like I'm a words of affirmation person. So find what works for you and have constant reminders around you to be better, to do better. And when you go to counseling, remember this, it will not work unless you do. And I... Stand by that a hundred percent because you, you can't, can go. You
0: can't just sit the fuck down no. and think things are gonna be fixed.
1: I mean they're gonna give you homework assignment. Nine times out of ten those counselors give homework assignments. Yes. So like for the next week, try this. And then you come back in and they're gonna be like, So how'd it go? And you can sit there and bullshit. you're like, Oh it was fucking great, I love it so much. Because I mean I've been there. Sometimes I was like, I don't wanna do that, so I wouldn't do it. But then the time that I would do it and I could go back, I was like, Oh wait, that worked. It's crazy, it's like she like was trained for this. I'm no, still dead. I was sixteen, I don't know what I'm talking about. But do the homework, do the work, and take some time. And sometimes you have to look in the mirror and be like, I'm the problem. Like, and that's okay. Am I the drama? Sometimes you're the drama, sweeties. I'm really, really sorry. <laughs> because I was the problem for a long time. And I know that. I was the problem in my first relationship. I was like probably 20% of the problem in my second relationship. I was a problem in a lot of my friendships. Because I was so miserable. I had nothing to give anybody else. I had nothing to give to myself. I was like dying for a year.
0: and that, And then that exudes bad energy in your life.
1: Going to therapy is probably the most selfless thing anyone can ever do because not only are you going to feel better, you're going to become a better friend, you're going to become a better coworker, a better employee, a better sister, a better daughter, a better mother, father, whoever you are to somebody, you're going to be better for them. Mm -hmm. Therapy is the most selfless thing you can ever do because you are basically saying, especially if you've been through a traumatic past, I'm going to relive this situation so that I can serve the people in my life better and I can serve myself better. Because now every room that I walk in, I show up as myself. I don't show up as a hollow shell of who I want to be. I don't show up as the girl in my science class that seems to like, all the boys seem to like her. I don't show up as her. I show up as Jessica Joanne Berlew, And I'm proud of the fact that I went to counseling for so long. I don't think it's something that I'm ashamed of. I'm proud of the way that I've come out of things in my life. And I'm not embarrassed about my past and not embarrassed about my childhood, but I also don't need to carry it with me anymore because I'm a product of what I made from that. That situation didn't mold me. I took the lessons and molded myself. Like, Cause, no one will fight for you if you're not fighting for you.
0: And I also think that people, um, and I hate to say excuse, and I'm not shitting on anyone if this is you, but I feel like if this is you, you should probably work on this. But I hate whenever people are just like, oh, I'm just a. So- I'm just a product of my environment. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's true. Probably all of us are. But it is your duty to yourself to take your environment and do not let it mold you. You mold the situation yourself. You get to be whoever you want to be. At the end of the day, you are the only person that has to say over who you are. And so you can't let your environment, you can't let what's happened to you in your past be what determines who you're going to be in the future because so much shit can happen in between there. There's so much time and opportunity, and I think you took your time and opportunity and mm-hmm. you used it properly. Thanks, Denise, because Jessica is a great human.
1: Thank you. Um,
0: You're welcome. Um, And also thanks, Christina. You're great, too, because you, you, you helped my girl through that. But I, I just think that you can't use that reasoning anymore like, oh, I'm a product of my environment. Everyone is. Mm-hmm. Every day, through and through. People are products of their environment. You're changing every it, it is your... It is your civil duty
1: mm-hmm.
0: to do a service and justice to yourself
1: and to the people in your life and to the
0: people around you or have anything to do with you mm-hmm. and be better.
1: Yeah, to go get some help because there's <laughs> nothing wrong with it. Like, and that's the thing. As I think we've moved away from <laughs>
0: to go get some help. I think
1: we've moved away from the stigma. I really think that we do. I think that we, as a collective people, have gone away from the stigma of counseling is weird. It's not weird. Everybody knows it's, it's not, not weird. weird. What I think the problem is now is that people don't understand that going to counseling, your counselor is not going to know exactly what needs to be fixed. So you have to be as open as possible. Because that's
0: why you're there. That's
1: why you're there. Because we know, speaking of myself as a counselor, we know that we're only getting a snapshot of the person that's with us for 50 minutes once or twice a week or every two weeks or whatever your situation may be. So whatever you tell us in that, 50 mi- in that 50 minutes is what we have to go on. So if you're not doing the work on your own to look in the mirror and be like, I think that this behavior is causing the people in my life some distress, they're not going to know to address that. You know, they might pick up on cues if you're telling a story and they're like, that's a little funky that you would say that or that you would feel that way. But they're not going to have any indication of, you know, what specifically needs to be worked on. And so I think a big key part of getting out of this kind of the mental illness space the clinical depression the generalized anxiety disorder is being self-aware enough to realize that nobody is coming to save you nobody is coming to put you back together nobody is coming to fix you you are not broken it's about knowing that you don't want to feel like this anymore it's about the day that you realize that you want better and when you decide that you want that that's where the growth comes. But yes. you will live in that space for the rest of your life. Until if you're years. not the person that says I'm done. Because your counselor can be the best counselor in the world. You can have the best friends, the best family in the entire world. But if you're living in that space because you don't want better for you, you'll always feel that way. And mm-hmm. I really believe that because I do too. You have got to fight for it. It's your damn life.
0: It is your life. You have to live your life the way you want to.
1: Yeah. Nobody nobody is going to take it away mm-hmm. except for you. And it's I, yes. And I know that's hard to hear. Heavy sometimes. on that though. But it's so true. It is so true. But it can be really hard to like realize that you're allowing yourself to feel that way.
0: I feel like only you can ruin your life. That's true.
1: It's not, no one is responsible for, I mean there are things that have happened yes. uh, uh, that yeah. put you there. But it you can't blame have to stay like somebody that. for something that has been going on for let's say months or years, right? Like you have to take an environment, a situation, a person, a situation that put you in this place or is allowing you to live in this sadness and realize that like the best thing you can do is forgive them even if they are not sorry
0: and even if you don't want to and move on yep
1: because forgiving someone is for you it is not for them i say that all the time and it's true because they don't They don't care if you forgive them or not.
0: Right, they really don't.
1: It matters if you forgive them (laughs) for your own peace of mind, for your own sanity, and because carrying anger around is probably the most dangerous thing you can do just for your own Mm well-being. And I want to, to pull that all into if you are feeling like you are suffering from some sort of a depression. If you feel like you are suffering from some sort of an anxiety disorder or have some pretty bad anxiety or whatever the situation is, I'm not here to diagnose anybody um or myself I want to be clear about that I was in counseling when these things came out um and my counselor spoke to me about what she thinks might be going on with me internally this is not me saying well I think I had depression because I was really sad for a day like no I I never want to say that like I want to be clear like there was a conversation had between me and my counselor there was also a conversation had about between me and my counselor about me being bipolar I don't think that's true no And even if it was, I don't think that I am anymore. If that's, you know, like whatever. (laughs) I don't think that's true at all because I learned how to manage my emotions. So I think you don't have to put yourself in this box of, oh, I'm this way because I'm depressed. Oh, I'm this way because I have anxiety. Oh, I'm this way because I am bipolar or borderline or whatever whatever box someone is trying to put you in. You are so much more than that one word. And you have the skills already inside of you to do better. And to regulate those emotions, to be calm in social situations, to get out of bed and be excited that you are. You know, whatever your situation is. Or to just get out of bed. Right. You know, whatever the situation is, whatever you're struggling with, whatever you feel like is keeping you from being happy, which is ultimately why we're here today, why you're listening to this, is because you find something in my story that maybe appeals to you or that you need to hear. And so if you need to hear something, you have got to just take your own life into your own hands and figure out what you need because nobody's going to do it for you nope and i need to just make sure that's very clear because people are not going to people are not going to stick around and wait for you to save yourself unfortunately i mean your family obviously your closest friends but maybe there's going to be a time where people start to see that you you are accepting a life that they wouldn't accept for you and it becomes difficult to stick around and watch someone do that to themselves because mm-hmm. I mean, i've been on both sides of that mm-hmm. And it sucks. And I know that that can be hard. But everything happens for a reason. If people have to come and go for you to realize that you are making decisions that the people that love you, it hurts them too bad to watch, that should be a massive sign. Mm -hmm. Because my friends have said similar things to me at times. You know, it's hard for us to watch you do this to yourself. It's hard to stick around and, and wait for the next thing to blow up. So I feel like it's important to have some agency in your own life and realize that it will, it's going by so fast. Like moments only exist in that time. And then next thing you know, it's been seven and a half years. You know, I celebrated, celebrated. I (laughs) had my dad's eighth anniversary on October 12th and it still crushes me. That day crushes me. It hurts so bad. But you look back and you're like, Holy shit. It's been eight years. Like, look how far I came. I'm going to grad school next year. Like, I got a 3.6 GPA. Like, I celebrate this little wince. I have a kick-ass relationship. I have a podcast that I love. I have friends that, like, are family to me. You know, you have to realize that time's going to go by and you're going to be a different person. So, if you want better for yourself, there really is no better time to start than now. Mm-hmm. And if you need help finding a counselor in your area, please let me know. Um, I feel like sometimes it can be hard to sift through all that stuff because you're not really oh sure God. what all the letters mean. Because <laughs> there are, like, a lot of letters and I can talk to you about that. Abbreviations yeah. Shit. What what and lpc means what an lmchc means what an lmcha means like it there's a lot of different things that go into it so if you need help sifting through the stuff and finding what's best for you let me know and yeah that was a lot basically i love my boyfriend too i was supposed to talk about long distance i think we're gonna get into another episode basically cole's the best and we make it work for long distance and we'll just talk about another episode (laughs) how long distance works but yeah any? You have anything to say? No. No? Nothing to say? I already said what I wanted to say. Mm. Okay. You have nothing else to add? I mean, that was a lot. I just talked for a while. I'm so wondering. Yeah, did. I know.
0: But some of it already knew.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> I never wanted. I never. Jessica said, "Well, <laughs> I don't want to spend too much time going into like my past because, a, I kind of did touch on it already." And it's a sad fucking story. Like it's not something that's fun to listen to. Like no. I just want... it's I think it's important for the people who are new here and for my friends or whoever listens to this to know me on a level that I hope that I can trust you, you appreciate. with. Yeah. yeah. I hope you
0: yeah, and that that, that that we can trust you with because we open up and we tell you guys these things. Like, um, Like, know next week whenever whenever I brainstorm about, you you know, what. <laughs>
1: What you want to say?
0: What the hell to talk about in my very eventful life? I think it's important for you guys to know that we're trusting you guys with this information to not take lightly. Um, And if it is something that you need to hear, because. like Jessica has said like many times her and I have both said me and Jessica are very opposite people. Mm -hmm. And so there's a lot of things that people can relate to with Jessica and the things that she's been through. And then there are some people that can relate to me and the things that I've been through, even if it's not exactly similar feelings can be similar situations don't have to be similar. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, and so it's just important to, um, take people's stories seriously, um, do it nicely. Yeah. And just to be kind. I had a criminal justice professor, um, Dr. Clement. She used to end every single class and just say, be kind. And that's it. That's what, that's how we knew that was like our dismissal. And her saying that every day, I feel like, um, I'm going off on a whole tangent, but it's an, it's just important to be a good fucking person. Mm -hmm. Um, and not to take people's lives and stories lightly. Um, yeah, that's all I got to say about that. Though.
1: Love everyone without needing a reason. Just love them anyway. Just love people. I live on that. I live on that value that yeah. like I love everyone unconditionally. They don't have to do anything. I just love them, and I think that <laughs> helps me love me. Yeah, because I don't have to do anything.
0: Jessica is full of love. So yeah, I'll tell you that for free.
1: I am, and and that's the strongest <laughs> part about me. So that's who I am to my core, and it's because I never want anyone else. Tonight I want to take away. Yeah, I want to take away as much as I can. Of the things that I felt, you know, unloved, unlikable, no one wants me around, no value, no worth. And so if I can spend five minutes talking to somebody and have them walk away feeling like they have a new friend, I've done my job for the day. Right. Like, I really live by that principle. You, I mean, you can ask Aliyah. Like, this yeah. is literally how I am every yeah. day. This so. is true. Yeah, with all that being said, I'm excited for you next week. Are you? Um, I, Prepare yourself because right now I'm, like, sweating. I'm like, whoo. That was a I feel lot. like I've
0: talked I feel like I've talked about my life and the things that have happened in my life so often that it's not that I'm desensitized to it all, but I just feel like
1: oh, I'm desensitized to that, but I know other yeah. people aren't. So exactly. it's, that's the scary part. Yeah, yeah, that's the
0: only part, but um I really hope you guys liked uh Jessica's experience episode. Yeah. Um we'll do some polls, um get some thoughts, ideas. Yep. Um I'll put my polls up yep. um at the Monday yeah end of this week beginning of next um just to preface see what you guys want to hear um what i should focus on things like that but jessica i appreciate your experience
1: send me a text or a dm or anything like what did you take away from this episode i'm very very curious
0: also don't know if you checked the inbox but we got a message from someone who basically was telling us if you're listening to this thank you so much um i don't know what we're talking about (laughs) (laughs) okay well they listened to I'm sorry I can't remember your name right now we were like a time crunch we're about to be like cut off but um there he messaged and he was like from a guy's point of view like the loneliness episode really helped him a lot oh yeah you should read it
1: okay i'll go read it you
0: should read it um so if you get another response the first response was me second response will probably be yeah, Jessica. you can tell
1: by the way we type who's who's yeah. on the account yeah.
0: yeah but yes um i appreciate you so much for sending us that message and for people that just send us messages in general like interacting with our stories yeah. whenever we interact with them um we really appreciate appreciate those messages Um, so yeah, don't, don't hesitate. You can message us if something really spoke to you in this episode or episodes past or episodes to come. Um, you can always reach out to us, always message us on Instagram at unlicensed podcast.
1: And with all that being said,
0: it's unscripted. It's unapologetic. It's It's unlicensed unlicensed podcast.
1: All right. Bye. Love you. Bye. (laughs)